Thanks to Harry's for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Guys can be hard to shop for, but Harry's is the perfect gift. Trust me, he does not need another wallet. He does not need, nor does he want, more socks this year. Okay? Get your holiday shopping done early. Free shipping ends on December 12th. That's coming soon, so act now. Go to harrys.com slash fool and get $5 off a shave set while supplies last. That's harrys.com slash fool. It's Wednesday, November 28th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hale. Joining me in studio today from MFAM Funds, Bill Barker. Happy Wednesday. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We've got some earnings. Yes. And when I say we've got some earnings, let's face it, not everyone is not everyone's earning money as as we'll see from the actual stocks. Some earnings are better than others. Some are better than others. Let's uh let's start with Tiffany and help me to understand this because third quarter revenue for Tiffany was light. The same store sales were lower than expected. This I wasn't expecting that Tiffany, in terms of the stock, would have its worst day in nearly four years. This wasn't a good report, but is it really as bad as? Is it really? Wow, this is the worst day in nearly four years. Bad? No, it's not. Not that bad. But the reason for the weakness in the top line, specifically, was China. And if the Chinese. Sales, whether it's tourists coming here or selling in China, if the Tiffany brand is not resonating either because of a perspective on the United States currently by by Chinese consumers or something else, that is a big chunk of where you want your growth to be coming from in future years. And so when you I don't know if you start subtracting that from your growth equations, or whether you just say this is a blip caused by current politics, or what. But I think that's the question the market is asking by selling the stock off today. And this was not, as we've seen in some cases, this was not a situation where Tiffany shares had been run up to some enormous degree. So I'm wondering when you look at the stock now, do you see it? As a value play, is this a, is this a cheap stock right now? Which always seems odd to say whenever you're talking about a company that's known for selling diamonds. Yeah, I don't know that I would call it a cheap stock right now. And then again, there are a lot of companies that I would say, even after a significant decline, are not cheap. But at 22 times earnings, no, not really. It's not got. The sort of growth story that would make me especially interested in it at that price, especially if you've got questions about how things are going to play out with China over maybe not over the long term so much, but I think I don't have any good read on what's going to happen there over the next couple of years. Also falling today, shares of JM Smucker, the consumer brand giant. Second quarter profits came in lower than expected. They cut guidance. This was this, unlike Tiffany, <laughs> where you could sort of look at Tiffany and say, "Well, they didn't do as well as they wanted to." Smucker's quarter was kind of bad all over. Yeah, it's in uh, well a number of I guess when you take the toppest of the top lines, which was only up, I think, a couple percent. Um, for the quarter, and net sales were up five percent. 
Um, so that's okay. That's about keeping uh, pace with a little bit better than inflation, of course. But one of the reasons that it was up five percent at all was because of an acquisition. So they uh, got Ainsworth, and which is a, a pet food uh, company, a sort of gourmet pet food uh, line, and they sold off uh, the Pillsbury baked goods. And we've gone over the. Pillsbury exists in a couple of different actual companies, and there's the baked goods part that Smuckers wound up with. Uh, but uh, they sold that off. So, a couple different things there. The top line's a little bit misleading. Uh, really, a bigger problem for them is the margins came down. They're finding that there is a lot of uh, competitive pricing in coffee, which is good for some of us, the uh, the drinkers of coffee. Always happy to hear that uh, people are competing on price there. Uh, they still have the number one, surprisingly, the number one coffee brand in America, Folgers. Yeah, uh, still number one. Still number one. They've also got uh, Dunkin' Donuts, the you know the beans that you buy uh, off the shelf, not the coffee that you're buying in Dunks. Uh, and Cafe Bustello and a couple of other coffee brands. So they're really at this point much more of a coffee and pet food company than jams and peanut butters, which is what you associate the name with more. So I'm wondering if, when looking at a stock which is where it was five years ago, I mean, you long term shareholders of Smuckers have not really been rewarded at all. And you look at all of the brands they have, I'm wondering if they need to start taking a very serious look at selling off more of their brands. I went to their website, and one of the first things you see on their website is, hey, we're hiring. So, not that I was looking to take a job at the Smucker Corporation. You weren't looking for one, but hey! I thought, hey, I'll <laughs> click on that, and just to see, they've got over 200 jobs listed. I get that it's a big company, but I I look at the fact that they're doing all this hiring, that the stock hasn't moved anywhere, they have all these brands. It really seems like someone, an activist investor, perhaps, needs to come in and give Smucker a fresh set of eyes, because it really it does not seem like a company that should be hiring hundreds of new people. It looks like a company that should be seriously thinking about getting smaller, strategically smaller. Uh, a lot of a lot of openings in the podcast division over there. None whatsoever. None. So yeah, <laughs> well, that so. that thing is firing on all cylinders. Yeah. So I just thought the Smucker's podcast. Yeah. Legendary, you know, daily discussion of Jif peanut butter and. <laughs> I mean, they they had to d- devote like a month to the Pillsbury Doughboy leaving and all that. So. Yeah. Sure. Uh, They've got a lot of different things going. They're actually a very, very large player in, I think, the number seven player in terms of um, the center aisle, in terms of packaged foods, like store stable things, the things you put in boxes and cans and stuff and just leave there for however many years it takes to move that product. Um, But they do have a direction, and that is coffee and and animals, um, much more so than. Um, jams and jellies, jams and jellies, and 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 even peanut butter, which was uh, a, a much bigger part of of the equation, and is specifically within pets, uh, going more and more uh, high, um, you know, high profile, high uh, deluxe sort of stuff. Uh, the Nutrish brand, Rachel Ray, uh, is 
one of their big acquisitions. So that's where a lot of I can I can tell you, it it does cost more and more to feed your pets, um, and I think there are they had some interesting. Uh, details about all of this on uh, a recent investor presentation, uh, and that people, there are more people, significantly more people, like shopping for their pets than for babies and and things like that. Um, there's just a lot of money spent there, and that's where that's where they're going. Wasn't that the case during the Great Recession? That the only part of consumer spending in the United States that did not drop. That actually went up during the Great Recession was spending on pets. Yeah, well, you don't want to punish the pets for you know a housing collapse. It's not their fault. No, they're not. They're not out there with credit default swaps. No, or are they? Because <laughs> that would be amazing. That <laughs> would be one of the great conspiracies of all time if they pulled that off without our realizing it. Uh, so that is. I think a better place for them to to go, and of course, devoting a large chunk of their present and future to coffee makes all the sense in the world. Because as the um, you know nutritional and and health abilities of coffee get more and more publicized, right? They're just going to be more and more in the right place with that. Oh yeah, no, they're they they are absolutely on the right side of history when it comes to coffee. Um, you know, since Smucker is doing all this hiring, I should also mention that we here at the Motley Fool are doing a lot of hiring as well, and you can check that out at careers.fool.com. We're hiring for here in our office in Northern Virginia, also for our office in Colorado. So, uh, so just like I spent a few minutes this morning checking out the hiring uh, possibilities at the Smucker Corporation, check out careers.fool.com. Um, quick shout out to Harry's. I've been a customer of Harry's for years, well before they ever sponsored our podcast. Love Harry's. Um, and it's the holidays. I don't know if you've heard, but it's the holidays. Really? Yeah. Again? Again. Like clockwork every year, the holidays come up. And I've heard from people, some of whom may be related to you, that you're actually terrible to shop for. Uh, that is true. Yeah. You know, I don't think that I'm necessarily significantly worse to shop for than uh, most guys right. and, and most dads. No, that's true. But I already have everything that's worth having. Right. You have a family that theoretically tolerates me. Theoretically loves you. Um, but yeah, no, you're you're a guy who and guys are terrible to shop for. And um, here's how you can work around that this holiday season. You can go to harrys.com/fool and get him something that he's actually going to use. Harry's has gift sets that this year come in pretty fantastic looking uh, holiday themed boxes and they start at just ten dollars uh, and as a special offer for our dozens of listeners Harry's is going to give you five dollars off any shave set including the limited edition holiday sets when you go to harrys.com fool plus you get the free shipping but you got to act on that pretty quickly um, this offer is for new and returning customers and it's only available during the holidays. Each hairy shaving set comes with an ergonomic weighted handle with the option to engrave. Now you know he's going to love that. You just engrave his initials on that. Uh, German engineered five blade cartridges that provide a close, comfortable shave, foaming shave gel for a rich lather, a travel cover to protect your blades, and as I mentioned, the handsome holiday gift box. And if you want to get something for yourself, you can redeem a Harry's trial offer and you can experience the quality of shave before committing. Get your holiday shopping done early. Once you're done with this podcast, 
because free shipping ends on December 12th, so you want to act now. Go to harrys.com slash fool, get $5 off a shave set while supplies last. That is harrys.com slash fool. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Just want to say a quick shout out to Carlos, who works at Sheridan's Finance Group in Sweden. Another listener from Sweden. Thank you for listening, Carlos. Uh, shall we move on to the the bloodletting? Sure. Um, I, I shouldn't be so. Why the shout out to Carlos? Because uh, he just he sent an email and uh, wanted wow. to give him a shout out. Yeah. We're not going to go over the email. Uh, it was. It doesn't it was, have a question. It was a, no. There was no question. It was just a very brief like, hey, listen to the podcast, love it. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for the note. Thanks for pronouncing a few things right once in a while. I pronounce that's where you got into trouble with one of your Swedish uh, listeners. Right. I mean, they were very polite about it. Just sort of. Yeah. Very polite. I have just to... for next time. Here's how you would pronounce that word completely differently. Right. That's... <laughs> here's how you pronounce. If you want to pronounce it correctly, maybe this. I'm not saying you have maybe to. Maybe go this way. But... Yeah. Um, I shouldn't be glib about when I say bloodletting, but I was stunned to see what is happening to uh, Chico's stock today because the third quarter results for Chico's um, resulted in the stock dropping close to 40 percent today. Um, they've got. Uh, at least one executive lead, uh, leaving. Um, Chico's has been public for 25 years. Probably not surprising to anyone that uh, the stock being down 38% this morning represents the biggest single-day decline in that time. Um, how bad is this? Because this is now a, what, a $550 million company? With a forty percent drop in one day, I mean, is this is this a business that now needs to, as they say, consider strategic alternatives? Yeah. I'll, so, first of all, for those that don't know Chico's, the full name of it is Chico's FAS, uh, and and I would have before today said for some reason the name is Chico's FAS, uh, but I, I went to all the trouble of looking up why that is, and originally it was Chico's Folk Art Specialties, uh, which is the very first store that they had, and uh, after they expanded and franchised, they they reduced it to FAS, and they're now much more um, just doing fashion, uh, which was only a, a small part of the, the original store. And so, as they as you mentioned, they've been around for a while. They had a phenomenal growth trajectory uh, in the '90s and uh, aughts. Really, right up through about 2008, when the the growth basically stopped, and now we're looking at contraction. And I talked last week about sort of what I don't know, sort of the the golden equation for retailers is, which is you've got good same store sales or comps, um, and then that allows you to build more stores, and so your total sales are growing faster than either. Your your comps are growing, or your store f- square footage is growing. They're both growing, so they combine to give you a, a top line that's growing, hopefully in the double digits, because you're getting bigger. Uh, your margins get better because you have to spread your costs over, you know, uh, more, and so your margins get better. And then maybe you've got enough money left over after doing all of that to buy back some shares, and so your earnings per share grow even faster than. Any of those other things, and and it all, it's all great, and that was sort of the Chico's equation when things were going well, and now so they've got three brands: Chico's, 
uh, White House, Black Market, and Soma, and all of them are seeing same store sales declines and have seen for every quarter of the last five, except in the most recent quarter, Soma, which is the smallest element, uh, grew two percent. Chico's, which is the biggest, has same store sales were down ten percent, and you can't do that for very long. And so that is why the Chico's CEO, that's that's the Chico's uh, brand CEO, not the Chico's FAS total holding company CEO, but the Chico's brand CEO is was you know shown the door, I would say. Uh, and so they believe they've gotten the fashion wrong and they need to do things differently with their fashions. And on the flip side, Burlington stores, which, once upon a time, Yowza. was Burlington Coat Factory. Uh, Burlington Stores is up on their third quarter report, and as you mentioned to me this morning, you know, you know that stock's done really well over the last few years. And I went back and looked over the last five because you didn't believe me. Uh, I didn't believe you. Um, over the last five years, shares of Burlington Stores, which is a basic retailer that sells, among other things, coats. Um, and I was saying to you right before we started taping, the I think the closest Burlington store to where we're sitting right now is Upper Route Seven. It's a few miles from here. I went there a year ago, and I'll did, just, did I'll, you need a coat? I didn't need a coat. Um, I I'll just say that walking into that traditional bricks and mortar retailer, uh, I would not have left that place thinking to myself, "Boy, this is a well-oiled machine." They are probably crushing it. Uh, quite the opposite. And so the fact that over the last five years, shares of Burlington stores have done better than shares of Amazon or shares of Netflix is astonishing to me. What are they doing? They're doing that equation uh, where the the comps. I mean, and they're doing it to a degree that uh, allows you to have sort of a ten x on your stock over five years. Uh, for the most recent quarter, they had comps up. Let me get the number right because it's not that impressive. Four point four percent, and uh, and then you get down to the bottom line, and their earnings per share grew seventy three percent. Well, how do you get you know how do you line up those numbers? Because they're adding stores, they're they're still small enough that they can add stores. They're not saturated, so uh, their total sales were up thirteen point seven percent, so almost ten percent more than the the, the comp numbers. Uh, margins improved sort of everywhere, and uh, they bought back a few shares. I mean, earnings per share up seventy three percent sounds better than it really is because that a lot of that has got to do with reduced taxes, uh, but still. Earnings per share were up 73%, and that is a number that is going to drive your stock price higher. I'm still baffled. I'm, I'm, st- <laughs> I'm still just baffled that this very basic, largely clothing retailer, yes, they sell some, some home goods and that sort of thing, but Burlington is, for, I would say, first and foremost, a clothing retailer, and a pretty basic one at that. And the fact that the stock has done this well for five years is still mind-blowing to me. Yeah. I, I, I wish I uh, had owned it for the last five <laughs> years, because it, it's uh, quite a surprise. It's really uh, grown the top line at a much slower pace than you would think must be the case for a company that has done 
as a stock as well as it has. It's got 6.6 billion uh, in last 12 month sales. Uh, that's up from 4.4 in uh, the year that ended in February 2014. So they've grown sales less than 50 percent over that time, but they've grown um, their earnings a lot more. They, they they were pretty cheap as a stock. They were not really making much uh, the first year. I think they made 13 cents a share, and now they're making. Um, Five dollars a share, uh, six dollars a share is the guidance for uh, the coming uh, the rest of the year. Do you think they want to take some of their cash and buy Chicos? No, <laughs> no. I mean, it's hard enough to get one retail store right, uh, and and you can. Uh, diversify by getting another brand, as uh, many companies have learned. It's look, Burlington is on the right side of, and it's it's off price fashion, so it's not as fashion sensitive as a lot of other things because people are there uh, buying more for the price than just being on uh, on track with the fashion. Uh, but still, they'll get it wrong at some point, and uh, you know things won't look as great as they do today because that happens to every fashion retailer sooner or later. That's true. Yeah, I mean, you just reminded me of um, well, Gap. You look at you look at a company like Gap, which has Gap, Old Navy, and Banana Republic, and it seems like clockwork every quarter. At least one of those three is not doing well, and you and lately it's been the namesake Gap stores that have just been underperforming, and it's Old Navy doing the heavy lifting, sort of making up for for Gap's uh, lagging. Yeah, it's it's very tough to year after year after year be right on the fashions, and Chico's uh, very much pointed out that their fashion choices. I thought this was at least. Some small bit of uh, something to hold on to from their report was they they spotted up the mistake that they made with the fashion, didn't just blame it on market circumstances or anything. Said we uh, overemphasized boho styles, uh, which I don't know. It's not my style particularly. I would say any emphasis is overemphasis there. But boho, yeah. Buy one half off. I think that's what that is. <laughs> Bold colors and original artisanal prints. So they were um, wrong on that. I'm in favor of any business using the word artisanal in any situation. I know it's generally reserved for you know bread, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm in favor, or you know, or just sort of. Certain types of food, but I'm I'm actually I would love to see more businesses, particularly ones that have nothing to do with food or restaurants, just start to use the word artisanal. Uh, you know, I came across a place recently. Unfortunately, it closed, but they were doing artisanal donuts, and uh, that turned out to be a useful application. Sure, maybe not of the term, but of the concept. Yeah, no, those those generally worked out. But I'm just I'm saying I would like to see, you know, maybe some. Uh, Construction companies talk about their artisanal concrete, just <laughs> just to make people do a double take. Um, we should get out of here because uh, we we got to do a little prep for uh, apropos of nothing. Yeah, what are we going to talk about? Uh, well, people, those who choose to listen later this week will find out. Did those that that came in today hoping to hear you talk about Rudolph and your live tweeting last night of the show and your coverage in uh, the mainstream media today. Uh, 
would, would you know, are you going to promise them a little apropos of nothing about that, or you want to touch on Rudolph before we go? Uh, we, we could we could touch on that. Really, thank you to uh, uh, Jay Labont who uh, tweeted at me right before we started taping today's episode that uh, the uh, Huffington Post, someone at the Huffington Post, did an article. Uh, about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer last night. Uh, the article entitled, Viewers Noticed Some Very Disturbing Details in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And, uh, and, one of my, and a bunch of people were tweeting about the show and uh, some common themes, some that I touched on that you know, others did as well, uh, mainly Santa being kind of a jerk and uh, Comet, the, the coach of the Reindeer Games, just being an awful coach and, and all that sort of thing. Um, and and one of the tweets that was featured was one of mine. So one of mine. So that was that was very nice. So thank you to Jay. Unfortunately, it was the one that had a typo in it. It, it actually had a couple of typos <laughs> After in really it. Really nailing the rest of the uh, the show. Yeah. Uh, that one. So be it. Focused on. Um, but I don't. And I'm, yet you know how to spell. I, I know how to spell most no. of those words, but uh, yeah, it, it didn't show up in that one tweet. Although I I, I don't, and I'm going to do. Uh, since I've already spent a few minutes today looking at jobs at the Smucker Corporation, I'm going to spend a few minutes on Twitter just to see if anyone else was pushing the idea that I've had for a couple of years now, which is I really want the Yukon Cornelius origin story. I want it to be live action. It could be a movie, or it could be because look, Solo. I mean, Disney made a Han Solo origin story yeah. movie, and that was fine. They made some money off that, so I feel like. A two-hour gritty. It's a little gritty. It's got to be gritty. Well, what, he's, what, he's packing a gun. What's what's the right mix of comedy and violence that you're suggesting for your your first iteration of this? Um, only that both need to be there. I mean, is it sort of an Indiana Jones level, or is it a little bit little bit more hard edged than than Indiana Jones? Um, I think that's that's sort of the opening. That's the opening bid. Is oh, we want it to be like Indiana Jones, and then if someone wants to push the envelope, make it a little grittier, a little you know, particularly if it's for Netflix. If it's going into movies, into movie theaters, I'm looking for a PG-13 here. If it's going to be what if, P- if CBS has got it? You pitched it to CBS, didn't you? I mean, through your communications with them on Twitter. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't bite. I don't. Not think, yet. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't know that they're. I don't know that they're interested in this. But it's on CBS. You got to tone down the violence a right. little bit. Right. So then it's more of a PG thirteen. It's yeah. But if it's but a, if you can get a sort of R level violence, you you're willing. That's what you think. Corn, UConn Cornelius really deserves. I mean, it's rough out he's there. He's he's basically by himself. He's got his sled dogs. He's got you know his cornmeal, ham hocks, and gunpowder that he's got to buy. He's packing a gun. He's got a knife. I mean, it's it's a tough world out there. So yeah, it's it's of course it's going to be violent because his world is violent. <laughs> is, he, is he looking for the peppermint mine in this, or is that you getting? I mean, this is a reimagining. Uh, no, it, uh, I, I want a reimagining. I don't. I don't want. I'm, I'm taking the character. Is, I'm taking certain elements of it, but I'm not. No, we're not doing the peppermint mind is thing. The Obama, is the snow monster in there? Of course. But I mean, he's a little bit more terrifying than he is in Rudolph. This was one of the things that I tweeted last night, and this is absolutely true. Even though it's claymation, the abominable. If you're a kid, the first time you see this, the abominable snow monster. Is terrifying. 
Yeah. It's a little bit like Jaws that you don't see the monster. You see him walking by, you see his feet, you hear his roar, that kind of thing. They they keep him off screen for a while. The first time you see that thing as a kid, it's terrifying. Yeah. So, I mean, in your version, are there more of him? There have to be. Yeah, I mean, probably. that's biology, right? Yeah. I mean, they don't just magically appear from space. There have to be. There's got to be a mom and a dad, and maybe that's a little bit of the backstory there. It could some of the bad blood that we see in Rudolph. It could be, although now you've given at least some of our listeners an idea that the abominable snow monster comes from space, <laughs> which wouldn't be a bad idea either. It just sort of like it's like all right, like a pod lands and it emerges. Wow, that's ridiculous. Let's keep this a little bit more realistic. That's true, gritty realism. Yeah, and it's violent, just like the world that Yukon Cornelius inhabits. I think we've made people suffer enough. I think we have. Until, until <laughs> apropos of nothing, yeah, the then, suffering will be quintupled. Yeah, it'll be much worse then. Uh, you can read more from Bill Barker and his colleagues. You can read more at their artisanal website, which is mfamfunds.com. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. This show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>